Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Talking About the War with Hannah and Misha. Hey, guys. Misha, can you give us a quick update? So today is the 30th of November, and in Ukraine, all the fronts are static. The weather does not cooperate. It is still raining. Um, military forces of Ukraine are waiting for the soil to freeze a little so they can start moving forward. Mm-hmm. All their country is waiting for another missile strike and getting ready to have no light again like now there are mm, some parts of ukraine which still don't have electricity Mm -hmm. Mm, but everyone is waiting for another missile strike anticipating a big attack and yeah lack of power and electricity Today on the podcast, we have a really incredible guest. Her name is Vika, and Misha, you and Vika go way back. So do you want to tell people a couple words about her? Vika is my longtime friend, and we know each other since we were like 10, probably. And I always feel that Vika is too big of a person to be in Ushgarad, and she was first after school she moved to Kiev after Kiev she moved somewhere abroad I don't remember and now she lives in New York mm-hmm. so in this episode you'll meet Vika a proud Ukrainian who is currently living in New York and she'll tell us uh, her experience translating and investigating sexual war crimes that took place in Bucha, Irpin and Khostomo so meet Vika Hey everybody, Misha and I recorded the intro to this episode approximately a week ago, so I just wanted to add in a quick update that the massive attack from Russia that we all were anticipating did take place this past Monday, on Monday, December 5th. The Ukrainian air defense was incredibly successful in shooting down a large portion of the missiles that Russia was aiming at civilians and infrastructure. Russia continues to use winter as a weapon against Ukraine and plans to freeze out Ukrainians this coming cold, cold winter. But from what I've seen, Ukrainians are even firmer and stronger in the resolve to win this war and defeat Russia. So Slava Ukraini, and here's Vika. Hi, Vika. How are you today? Hi, hi. So nice to see you and to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Vika, so nice to see you. Uh, Vika is my my long-time, long-term friend. We have known each other since we we're like 12, I would say. Vika, can you tell us where were you on February 24th? What were you doing? What was the day like for you? Uh, I wish I could, you know, ever forget that. And I keep coming back to that feeling mm-hmm. very often because I was sitting in my apartment just the way I'm sitting on this couch right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, w- so quick story, quick story before February 24th, I already, you know, every Ukrainian knew that this is absolutely inevitable before sure. February because, um, you know, the war started in 2014 and I lost my cousin in that war in 2015. He was Sorry. killed near Donetsk uh, in the eastern Ukraine. So that was our reality even before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I learned about the massive gathering of Russian troops near Ukrainian borders, I knew that, you know, this is just, th- this is it. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is not a drill. This is This is for real this mm-hmm. time. So as soon as the COVID pandemic uh, made the travel situation a little easier, I 
wanted to go to Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, because I haven't been home for two years. So mm-hmm. I went home in January okay. and I spent some time in Kiev and I went to our hometown, Uzhgorod, to spend time with my family because I knew that, you know, this is... Mm-hmm. This could be my last chance to to see my home country before God knows what. Sure. And when I got back, which was mid-January, I pretty much had a couple weeks off, which did not seem then, then at the time as peace. But mm-hmm. now I understand mm-hmm. that these were probably my last weeks of feeling at peace, more or less. Yeah. But February 24th. I was sitting on my couch and watching CNN. Mm-hmm. And nice. because of the time difference, when it was four in the morning in Ukraine, it was still reasonable news watching time mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. in New York. So when I heard that, it like gives me mm-hmm. all of the feelings right now going over it. But I'm sorry. When I, when I saw his, uh, uh, Putin's, uh, you know, deranged proclamation and that mm-hmm. speech. And when he said that he's starting the, what they call a special military operation, everything in my body just, just dropped. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, it, it hasn't been normal ever since. So it was a very powerful, paralyzing, shocking and life altering moment. Absolutely. So right after that, like, what was your first action? Who did you call? I immediately messaged, you know, my family. Mm -hmm. Then I messaged my Ukrainian-American friend who lives in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. uh, in New York as well. And I remember she said a very powerful phrase that we also kept uh, coming back to. She said... I don't know why I'm saying this, but mm-hmm. I can tell you this is the end of Russia. I don't know how or or when, but I can tell you that by what they did right now, this is over for them. And, you know, at, at a time, I obviously couldn't understand what she means right. by that, but it was an absolutely, um, in a state of shock, mm-hmm. that's what her brain concluded. She mm-hmm. was definitely very concerned and terrified for everything that was happening in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You know, like the tanks are st- started rolling into our towns and the rockets flying over mm-hmm. Kiev and falling everywhere. But her first thought was they are done. Mm-hmm. And it gave me so much um, comfort and it gave me so much hope sure. um, that it kind of helped me not completely crumble during mm-hmm. that night. Of course, there was no sleep for the coming, I don't know how many days, but th- yes. that was something mm-hmm. I kept holding on to that idea. Mm-hmm. I w- kept reminding myself that we just need to hold on because if there is any system in the world that is worth anything, that mm-hmm. this cannot end in any different way. Like right. we, as Ukraine, cannot fall because it's mm-hmm. absurd. Like right. this just, this should never happen. And my family was sleeping in their home. Mm-hmm. We didn't come to anyone. We didn't yes. do anything to provoke this. Mm-hmm. So if there is any anything in this world, any structure or system, any rhyme or reason, mm-hmm. this just cannot end any other way. Mm-hmm. 
So powerful. As you were talking, I literally lifted up the sleeve of my sweater because I had goosebumps from like my Mm -hmm. shoulder down to my wrist. And yeah, it's incredibly powerful. And I think like in that moment, hearing that from your friend, it really, really struck a chord for you. You know, another memory that will stay with me forever and it kind of set the tone uh, because I don't know how it works karmically or chemically or cosmically that the way my friend felt, her first thought was that, okay, Russia is over. Mm. It's pretty much similar to the most iconic phrase of the first or second day of war when mm-hmm. um, the Russians were trying to take over the Snake Island and the mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. famous phrase, can I? Yeah, you may. Of course. When Russian uh, Russian soldiers were trying to take over the Snake Island and they uh, famously said, you know, this is a Russian warship. You need Mm -hmm. to, you know, Mm. lay your weapons and, you know, welcome us with open arms. And Mm -hmm. the Ukrainian uh, military man said, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. And it truly cannot be... Um, yes, it became a meme uh, mm-hmm. and is like printed on every T-shirt in Ukraine right now. But mm-hmm. this pretty much was Survived. everything mm-hmm. that sums up the the attitude. And <sighs> it was kind of like the sigh of exhaustion of Ukrainians yeah. who felt this way for hundreds of years. But mm-hmm. also it's like, okay, dude, now you really are. You know what? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. It was right. it was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So again, that hearing that phrase on TV also it it made me feel very hopeful because yeah. you know, and I'm sure that a lot of American listeners uh, who didn't grow up in Ukraine uh, would agree that it was very easy to think that oh, there is no way mm-hmm. the Russia is just too big. Yeah. It's just mathematically yeah. I want just inject myself as an American here that is Russian propaganda that Americans mm-hmm. have swallowed like let me just put that out there but, and continue on Vika you're doing amazingly couple <laughs> days a couple days prior to that event like the 24th I had a conversation with my dad who told me you understand that Russia will just run over like over Ukraine like during three days and I just I, and I did not know what to say I yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I thought so. But then, like, when everybody stood up and started resisting, mm-hmm. it was, was completely different vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, actually, I would never question the fact that Ukrainians would fight the way they, they are fighting right now. I just <laughs> definitely was concerned because, and even still, mathematically, it's a very unfair battle because, you know, in the ratio yeah. even mm-hmm. of soldiers sure. is one to ten. Right. So, yes, we are masterful. This is our home. We are fighting for mm-hmm. our lives and the lives of our our, our families. Mm-hmm. But we are majorly outnumbered. So, of right. course, there was this, this feeling of terror because there's just so many of them. And they do have nukes, you know, and they do mm-hmm. have all of the uh, the Soviet era weapons that they hoarded for for decades Mm -hmm. so it was just 
it was just a natural feeling of dread. So do you remember first, like, of course, you were at pro-Ukrainian meetings in rallies, we call it rallies, in New York, what the vibe was, like, how many people, like, I, I can't imagine, like, in Corvallis, we used to, like, have, like, up to 60 people, like, Corvallis mm, A couple hundred, the first couple weeks. Even a couple hundred, mm-hmm. like, everybody was, but now, of course, everything faded. Which, you know, I prefer to think of it as, it, it dwindled here with time, too, but... I prefer to think of it as the, you know, the the rallies did what they were tasked to do mm-hmm. is just um, show the world and the politicians that, oh, this is not just a little group of, sure. you know, like marginal group mm-hmm. of upset people mm-hmm. from some right. foreign land. It's thousands of people who are just like, I don't even know necessarily where ukraine is on the map but this Mm -hmm. is just insanity like you just Mm. don't do this in a civilized world and if we pretend or claim to be this you know righteous society we can't just watch this happen because it's wrong on Mm -hmm. a human level ukrainian or not this is wrong Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i did go to uh several rallies in different places and you know they would like gather in times square and then walk all Mm -hmm. the way to the UN or to, we went to the Russian embassy and, you know, it was, um, you could see that it looked like uh, 10,000 people are walking Mm -hmm. and our shared grandfather just died or something like that. Mm -hmm. So everyone was really, really mourning. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. not in a sad way, in a very angry way, in just a very angry way. And those rallies did help me. And I'm sure that everyone who participated to feel that I'm not alone and Mm -hmm. people do care and this is visible. So it's not going to be a little story on the news for five minutes and then they move on. So yes. um, another wonderful thing was that I saw a lot of people from Georgia, the country mm-hmm. of Georgia, who, of course, take it very personally because in 2008, Russia pulled a similar mm-hmm. trick on them as well. So mm-hmm. they still control some of Georgian territories. So they remember and they know yeah. very well who Russia is. So they showed up in large numbers and mm-hmm. that felt very nice and comforting. It was a sad time, but you know, I think being, um, I guess having this experience of, you know, living abroad mm-hmm. and th- the feeling of just dragging your empty body mm-hmm. uh, to yes. work and home, being completely absent in your mm-hmm. head and, pretty much having to code switch at work and pretending to be a functioning normal human Mm -hmm. when your every cell in your body and your every last brain cell only has one agenda, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, scrolling through the news, making Mm -hmm. sure that all of your friends are alive. Mm -hmm. You know, you send a text message, they don't reply, but at least you see, okay, received. Good. So it's, it's, it's a surreal experience and it's kind of not sustainable to live in that state. So the rallies and the uh, some sort of finding your way to engage and support mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is is uh, it was a saving grace. It was yes. just it was not a choice because I'm such a sweet person. I'm probably not. It's just mm-hmm. a very survivalist mode when you mm-hmm. just need to do this. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you will legitimately 
lose your mind. Yes. Like clinically go insane. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, you you are in Kerala's that probably similar experience mm-hmm. by the feeling mm-hmm. of unity and how much it did mm-hmm. uh, healing, how much healing it did for you as well. Yes. I think hearing about your experience too, like the way you phrased it, dragging your empty body to work. Exactly. Like when mm. you said that, I had mm. like a visceral visceral reaction because I think like the Ukrainian diaspora through all of this, I don't know. I've seen Misha drag his empty body to work day after day after day. And like, I have no words for it, honestly. And sometimes I remember that it was possible to distract myself, like like with work or something, like like for forty minutes, like you know, or so, like pretending, like okay, like you know, I did so good with that customer or something like that. And then suddenly, like the big plate, like you know, listen, you had damn, like that's what's going on right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. That's the reality, not this. Mm-hmm. It, it is fucked. And up. I think too the experience of you know, you were saying going to the rallies, like it gave you something. It gave you a place, an outlet for, I don't know what even word we can describe to the experience. And I know people have approached Bisha and I of like, oh, good job. You're doing rallies. And I I push against that reaction so hard because I'm like, you don't get it. Like there is nothing else we can do. So like I will stand here on this road and hold a flag or a sign because I can't not do that. Like, what exactly. else will I do right now? Right. You, you, and it's also, it's a very overwhelming feeling because uh, even if I do go back and enlist, I will be probably completely useless and it's mm-hmm. just going to be a waste mm-hmm. of everybody's time, highly likely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, war is the most expensive endeavor one can possibly imagine. <laughs> so, of course, you know, every paycheck, uh, every other Wednesday, which one of them was today, I, you know, I send to mm-hmm. several organizations that I mm-hmm. support. None of them are humanitarian aid. All of them are strictly mi- military mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you, you do what you can financially, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then it's such a minuscule drop in the ocean and mm-hmm. i remember that the first paycheck um right when the war started the first day of february 24th i remember that i uh i sent all of my savings <laughs> to ukraine and then i was oh like my oh my god mm-hmm. i probably will be homeless next month because mm-hmm. i don't know how i'm gonna pay my rent but mm-hmm. now i kind of like pace myself a little mm-hmm. bit at least yeah. um not to that extreme, but, you know, it's just still something that I do. And if there is a very important fundraiser that my friends are are, are doing, I, you know, <laughs> my poor American friends already know that if mm-hmm. I yes. send them a nice yeah. long text message, yeah. it only means exactly. one thing, exactly. that there's a, a little PayPal yeah. <laughs> address uh, in the end. Yes. I probably like a lot of families now have like you know a budget item like budget mm-hmm. line like you know well budget for months the Sioux like the Sioux. Um, military mm-hmm. forces of Ukraine mm-hmm. receiving that much money this month and usually that is highly abused line in our budget like we budget like you know like ten percent but when something happens like you yeah. know like I don't know like you know like some friends are posting like okay radio stations or mm-hmm. like you know the night vision goggles like. Okay, yeah. what you gonna For do? For me, th- this past month, what put me in the negative was cars. Yes. Two of my very close people who are in the same brigade, but 
uh, in different places, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff happened to their cars and they urgently needed a replacement. And, you know, I, I I, I could not, not Mm -hmm. send the money. It's just Mm -hmm. not a thing that I could do. So yeah, it's, it's just a bottomless pit, Mm -hmm. which is, um, it's just, you know, something that, but I, the, how I prefer to look at it is that when I was younger, I spent money on dumber things, (laughs) (laughs) just, you know, idiocy, inconsequential nothingness, at least this, I never feel bad for. Mm -hmm. And even if I like, you know, have to tap into my credit card by the end of the month, I don't care because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, Mm -hmm. this is not because I, I bought a, sixth pair of shoes that I'm going to wear twice. This is for something that matters. Saves lives. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think these um, really tangible avenues like attending rallies, donating. I mean, it's very common for Misha and I to wake up and over coffee, I'm donating to somebody's PayPal in the morning. It's just kind of part of the routine now. And I guess for you, Vika, what are other kind of volunteer opportunities that you took part in these past couple months? Oh, nine months, past nine months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Can you even believe mm-hmm. that it's been that long? Uh, um, you know, when it when it just happened, it took me a, probably a full week to even, Click you it. know, remember mm-hmm. the alphabet. I I probably wasn't able to, like, read yeah. in any language because I just was in a, in a, in a state of a full body cramp mm-hmm. constantly that just wouldn't let me be a functioning person. But then my brain went to, okay, so I gave away all the money that I, all the little <laughs> money that I had. So that I'm not useful in this regard for right now. What mm-hmm. can I do? Like, what are my skills that can be applicable and mm-hmm. useful in any way? And if you remember um, all of the atrocities and horribleness that happened around uh, the capital, around Kiev, which mm-hmm. was infamous, Bucha, Hostomel, Irpin, and all of those other places that were under Russian occupation, it was kind of happening earlier on Mm -hmm. in the war because Mm -hmm. those were the first places that were, Mm -hmm. you know, under Russian occupation. Mm -hmm. So more and more, the news reports about uh, rape Mm -hmm. of Ukrainian women uh, were appearing in trusted news sources like Reuters or New York Times or Washington Post, like places that usually make sure to check their sources before they publish uh, information of that kind. Mm -hmm. And then in the Ukrainian uh, news media as well. uh, And it, you know, I was already not in a stable shape by any means, but those reports really did something to me because when I moved to the U.S. 10 years ago, I worked uh, for the Ukrainian mission to the U.N. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, dealing with a lot of international um, issues and, and situations that happen all over the world. And some of them I've never heard of. So that mm-hmm. was the first time when I got exposed to something that was called um sex uh, crimes as a weapon of war. And I was reading all of these news articles about Ukraine, could not believe that this is happening. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, in any armed conflicts or wars uh, or, you know, situations of that caliber, that happens and it is used as a weapon of war pretty consistently and regularly. So my, I had an unstoppable urge to make sure that, 
in the fog of war, when mm-hmm. everything is on fire, everyone is terrified, people are running to Poland for their lives on mm-hmm. foot with their toddlers, you know, all of all of this disastrous nightmares happening. And in the meantime, that is happening too. So I was really worried that because there is such stigma in society, because this is such an uncomfortable and tabooed uh, topic to discuss, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that this is going to get documented properly. Sure. And then that the, there will be a way to make sure that we will be able to find who those people were mm-hmm. who committed those atrocities and crimes and mm-hmm. that the uh, that they will be found and punished. So, you know, before I, I had any idea that was formed into anything coherent, I created a list of just researched uh, online for a long time um, and found a solid list of maybe 20 or 30 international organizations mm-hmm. based a, in in the United States and across the world who deal with the uncomfortable issue of mm-hmm. work um, of uh, sexual crimes as a weapon of war. So mm-hmm. I sent them all to all of those organizations an email. Uh, cited the sources, you know, attached the articles from, you know, Reuters and New York Times because I knew mm-hmm. that nobody's going to bother to mm-hmm. translate from Ukrainian. Sure. So I I then sent a template of the same letter and the list of organizations to everybody I knew. So to make sure that, you know, it's not going to come only from me yeah. because I believe that uh, grassroots pressure is very effective. Mm-hmm. It's the same, you know, as rallies. You need to put pressure yeah. uh, on organizations and their local politicians to make sure that something gets done and mm-hmm. that it at least gets a little bit of attention. Mm-hmm. So I did that, but then I thought, okay, what else can I do that is more practical? And mm-hmm. I reached out to a bunch of other organizations in Ukraine. Uh, one of them responded. They're called Truth Hounds. Um they are uh, human rights professionals, a nonprofit organization. And, you know, I just pretty much like cold emailed them and said, you know, this is who I am. Uh, this is I'm available. Mm-hmm. Happening to me. Match I'm available. <laughs> this is my CV. I can do this and this and that. Mm-hmm. If you can put me to use in any way that, you know, remotely because I'm not in Ukraine right now, right. please tell me and I'm happy to do whatever I can. So, we had a Zoom call with them. They made sure that I'm a real person. Sure. And uh, they asked me to help them with this. Um, it's called OSINT, Open Source Intelligence. So you pretty much try to find information on specific subject from open sources, which is everything that you can find online. Mm-hmm. So they asked me to contribute to this piece, this investigative piece that they were working on, uh, specifically about sex crimes and other crimes in um, Bucha, European, and all of the Kiev region. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I spent maybe two or three weeks working on it like a crazy movie detective with mm-hmm. little red strings from mm-hmm. one place to another. And then, I, you know, you just gather a lot of information, and it's very hard because not only you have to find what what date uh, mm-hmm. these reports started coming out of those places, having a date, you can try to find which specific 
Russian brigade mm-hmm. was in that area. Then you try mm-hmm. to find who was the commander of that brigade. Mm-hmm. Then you try to find where they are located in Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you try to find maybe there's a list of names. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you just, you can completely dig yourself in mm-hmm. this because it's it's just, the, it, there is a start but no end to sure. this research. It is crazy. Yeah. It's so awesome that you've done it. I think it's like, really such a testament to you recognize like there is no destination to a lot of this investigation like really investigation that you were doing but there's this like very strong theme of like but you will not be forgotten like I will continue Mm -mm. researching and investigating because this cannot be forgotten exactly and also it cannot go unpunished and that was very important because those people were doing those things in full confidence that mm-hmm. they will remain nameless, unrecognized, you know, just mystery, evil people. Yeah. But this is not how modern world works. And it's easy to think of, you know, armed forces of Ukraine as some mm-hmm. abstract, you know, organization mm-hmm. of superheroes. Right. But it's their mothers and and yes. and children who live there. It's mm-hmm. their homes who are being bombarded. They're not right. fighting because they have nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's they are seeing what the Russians are doing mm-hmm. in their villages, in their hometowns. So right. it's it's beyond just being um patriotic. Mm-hmm. It's really fighting to to save your your life and to save the life of your family and yes. and your everything you've worked for your entire life. So this is for Russians, they have no idea what they're doing there. And mm-hmm. for Ukrainians, they have a very good idea yes. why they're mm-hmm. fighting. Yes, um, exactly. You know, something that um was very difficult at first for me to explain because you know everybody at work and um, my friends were asking me, oh, but you know, why why don't you move your family somewhere? Mm-hmm. And my family, my parents were refusing to even consider the thought because, yeah. and I struggled at first too, because, you know, you just want to make sure they're safe. Mm-hmm. But then my mom told me, listen, I'm a 62 year old uh, woman with disability. Mm-hmm. And also I'm just chilling in my house. Sure. Why do I have to leave? Yeah. Why do I have to leave? Mm-hmm. I didn't come to anybody. I'm just, I'm exactly where I've been for the past 60 years. Mm-hmm. So why, why should I go? Why should I be a refugee? Why should I carry a little backpack and Mm -hmm. uh, rely on people's mercy? Mm -hmm. I have my lovely, you know, apartment. It's very comfortable. It's exactly how I wanted it. I picked the wallpapers. Like, I'm not leaving. That's it. And I was, you know, it, it, it kind of, she made me finally realize that I'm terrified for you every day, but... Mm -hmm. No, you're right. You know, you're right. Yes. I can't tell you to leave your home mm-hmm. because I know that this is your home. So mm-hmm. you you are right, ultimately. Yes. It's a really hard concept, I think, for... I mean, I'm going to speak for Americans because I'm American. Mm. It's a really hard concept for a lot of Americans to grasp because I think the knee-jerk reaction for a lot of Americans is like, well, why don't they leave? And mm-hmm. I love that you touched upon that because... Remaining in Ukraine, mm-hmm. at least for a a big group of people and people anecdotally I am close to, remaining in Ukraine is a form of resistance. 
Absolutely. It is a way of being like, I am not scared. I am staying here. It is Mm -hmm. a form of resistance. And for American people, it's really hard to understand that because I don't know how many times I've been asked, well, why doesn't Misha's family just leave? And the reaction I have to that is an angry one. Because I'm like, Mm. why is that the first thing that you're asking me? They don't want to. (laughs) Because they're home. They're home. If they want to visit, you know, you'd obviously be happy to have them. Yes. But if if that's their only choice, Mm -hmm. they are. And, you know, again, it's a hard concept and I struggled with it myself. But if we are trying to dissect some philosophical mm-hmm. aspects of life. This is a very primal thing. Yes. Like th- this is my home that I earned, that I made, that I worked for, that is mine. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, because also in our culture, it's it's exactly. different because we do come from a different economic background, 100%. a very, very different one. Mm-hmm. So to the absolute majority of people, um, their home is all they have. Yeah. And it's not an exaggeration. The majority of people have probably hundred dollars to their name if they're right. lucky so asking them why don't you leave well mm-hmm. where would you go with a hundred dollars and yeah. nothing to show for your 60 years of life you know right. why so also you mentioned that you already lost a cousin in this war mm-hmm. in 2015 i know that recently you lost another friend like a yeah. close friend i don't know like what can you share us about it like i of course so condolences. It, it, I never a, it's knew a him. Tragic story, which you know felt. Um, it still feels very crazy and very raw because it just happened a little over forty days ago, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he's a wonderful, wonderful, sweet uh, son of my mom's best friend. I knew him since we were three years old, and mm-hmm. um, he enlisted. The first day that it became clear that the war started, he was like, okay, I'm I'm going. Mm-hmm. And he made that choice uh, because he wanted to uh, make sure that his brother, who has a family and children, will go to the territorial defense and not to the armed forces, like the proper, you know, mm-hmm. army mm-hmm. and get sent to war. So he wanted to in a way, make sure that his brother will be in a safer place. Mm-hmm. So he he went and he served and he fought. And um, unfortunately, he uh, was killed near Kherson a couple days before it was liberated by the That's Ukrainian so forces. So, you know, the, this, this war at this time came to every family and mm-hmm. every house and just yeah there isn't a person in ukraine at this time who is completely unscathed or untouched Mm -hmm. so this is this is why we are donating and and doing everything we have and going Mm -hmm. above and beyond because it's in our home it's in every home so it's not um oh we are in a safer city so we're fine we're not fine because our brothers are there our husbands are there, our, our, you know, somebody's children are there. It's, Mm -hmm. there's no way around it. And it's, you need to do everything you can um, because they are doing, you know, completely unbelievably heroic things Mm -hmm. to, to keep us fighting. I'm so like deeply, deeply sorry you lost your friend. It's, mm, 
Yeah. I, I just no hope words. that there will be no more and I hope that it will never be in vain. You know, I just mm-hmm. hope that th- this enormous sacrifice that um, our country is paying right now will put this um, horrendousness that our neighboring country, Russia, is to mm-hmm. an end in terms of making us feel safe in mm-hmm. our home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Slava Ukraine. Slava Ukraine. <laughs> and we have traditional question. Mm-hmm. What would you do after our victory? Like let's say they announced like that Russia fell. What will you do? After what will our you do? Well, um I think, you know, of course I can make a joke and say, Oh, I'm gonna get drunk, which I totally will. So <laughs> But um, I think I will definitely need, uh, I will go home right away and I will try to go to see a few places that uh, suffered a lot of damage. And Mm -hmm. I will take some time and try to do some physical work. Like Mm -hmm. that's the time when I wouldn't want to use my brain very much Mm -hmm. and take the time to process everything by touching things like sweeping the streets and and sweeping the broken windows and and just really doing manual labor to Mm -hmm. connect to what happened and to just process it slowly because if you just go there and absorb it emotionally i know that i can you know that's the moment when i can actually crumble so Mm -hmm. i would need to Mm -hmm. enter the healing journey through uh the physical aspect of it and kind of feel Mm -hmm. maybe it sounds strange and doesn't make any sense, but I feel like I would, it would make me feel better by physically contributing to making it go away. And I think Mm -hmm. making it go away by sweeping Mm -hmm. the the broken glass and, you know, cleaning out the dirt and the the rubble from the streets will make me feel like, the bad stuff is over. It's mm-hmm. going to be difficult for a very long time, but yeah. this is the beginning of a good thing. Of new era. I think we'll be right next to you. I'll pick up a broom. <laughs> oh, Misha will yeah. get a broom and us three will go and I'll get you clean a the broom streets. and we will go and <laughs> We're gonna do it. sweep all this negative horrendousness. Yeah. We haven't been rush, to Kherson. We haven't been together. to Crimea. Mm-hmm. We have a lot to sweep. It's a really beautiful answer. I don't think it sounds strange at all. I think it makes a ton mm-hmm. of sense. I think mm-hmm. it's practical and I think it's a way of being like, okay, here, take my hands. I'm going to put myself to work. Mm-hmm. So I'll be there next to you. Thank you so much, Vika, for coming. Thank you so much for having me anytime. And thank you so much for everything you're doing. And thank you for your listeners to mm-hmm. keep thinking and caring about Ukraine. It's very, very important. Absolutely. Before we close, is there anything you'd like to share with Americans? Anything you'd like to tell them before we come to a close? That they have been incredibly compassionate and wonderful and supportive. And I could not be more grateful. I could not be possibly more grateful because every even have strangers that know that I'm Ukrainian or they would see a little Ukrainian uh, thingy that I'm wearing on my jacket or on my bag. Mm-hmm. They would come to me and say, you know, I'm so sorry that this is happening. I put out a Ukrainian flag out of my window, mm-hmm. even though I have, you know, no connections to mm-hmm. your country. And it's, I hope they understand at least a little bit how important it is to, uh, to the people who are 
living through the most um, horrific trauma in, in their lifetime. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for, for the support that America has provided. And please do keep calling your senators and reminding oh, yeah. them to give us more. <laughs> no practical stuff. Yes, I love it. Call the senators, call your representatives, send them emails. I'm yeah. pretty sure they're tired of me. It sounds like they're probably tired of you too, Vika, but we're not going to stop. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, guys. Wow. Wow. Vika is an incredible person. I feel so honored to have heard her story and to have met her on Zoom. Vika is awesome. Vika is awesome. Uh, in the episode description, I'll include some donation information if you'd like to donate to Vika's friends who are on the front and fighting for Ukraine. Um, until then, see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Yeah, bye. 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 bye.